Welcome to the 6th episode of the Data Spot podcast. I hope you are having a great time listening to this podcast. In the last episode, we discussed what is GDP. I know that was a bit theoretical in nature, but you would agree that making an episode to explain a concept as complex as GDP in a simpler manner and at the same time not making you fall asleep is in itself a herculean task. I would request you to listen to it again in case you think you missed something. In this episode, we will tell you how GDP data is released in India and a few examples of how it is actually calculated. Well, we can't wait to share all this information, research and trivia with you. So, brace yourself. I'm sure you must have followed GDP related news quite often. Do you know how many times in a year the Ministry of Statistics publishes GDP data? Think. The GDP data is released on eight different instances. Of the eight, four pertain to quarterly GDP data, one for each quarter. The quarterly data are published with a lag of two months. That means data for quarter June to September gets released usually on 30th of November. The remaining four instances pertain to annual data. Let us see which are those four instances. The ministry releases first advance estimates in the first week of January. They are called advance estimates because the year has not yet ended. It will end in March and the estimates are published around three months before the end of year. This is basically the NSO's estimate of what the GDP is likely to be in the ongoing financial year. These estimates are based on the latest available data of high-frequency indicators such as Index of Industrial Production or IIP, Tax Collections, Government Expenditure, Quarterly Results of Corporate Sector, Bank Credit and Deposits, Railway Passenger and Freight Data, and so on and so forth. The government uses this data to set the tone of the budget which gets published immediately at the start of February. The second advance estimate is published at the end of February along with quarterly data. In between the two advance estimates, the agency publishes first revised estimates for the previous year at the end of January and then in May the provisional estimate of GDP is published. Provisional means the first GDP estimates released immediately after the end of financial year. They are different from advance estimates because by the end of May, actual data for most parts of the economy become available and thus reflect a more accurate version than the advance estimates. So, first advance estimates, second advance estimates, provisional estimates. That makes three annual releases for the year. The fourth one is revised estimates. Let us devote some time for the revised estimates. The annual GDP number for a year undergoes several revisions even after the provisional estimates are released and takes several years for it to be final. In January 2022, the ministry released the first revised estimates for the financial year 2020-2021 or FY21. On the same day, it also released second revised estimates for FY20 and third revised estimates for FY19. 
That means finally the final data for FY19 became available only after three years that is in early 2022. Now before you jump in and say this is crazy, please note that this is not something unique to India. GDP data undergoes such iterations in developed countries also. The USA for example takes five years to finalize the GDP data. In September 2022, GDP data for 2017 has been finalized and closed. Now you will have two questions. Firstly, how large are the changes to the GDP data? Because if they are large, the interpretation of the data can change significantly. For example, uh, if the first print for a particular year suggests a recession and the revised print for the same year suggests a booming economy, then the data is not just pointless but the decisions based on the first print might be wrong and can cause harm. So, let us go to our resident economist Dwiti to explain us what the scale of revisions has been in the recent past. Thank you, Swapnath. So, in case of uh, India's GDP, we have analyzed data revisions for three years, mainly from FI 17 to 19. So, in FI 17, the provisional estimate for real GDP was 1.22 lakh crore. But in the third estimate, or we could say the final estimate, the GDP stood at 1.23 lakh. That's almost 1% increase uh, in the real GDP. That was the same case in FI18 as well, where the real GDP grew by 1%. But in FI19, the real GDP saw a decline of 0.6%. Now, if we compare a year-on-year -year real GDP growth, we can see that real GDP in FI17 grew by 7.1% as per the provisional numbers. But by the time it reached the final estimate, the real GDP growth was 8.3%. That's almost like a 1.2% increase. In FI18 as well, the difference between the growth rate as per provisional and the final estimate was meager. It was just 0.1%. But within the revision period, the growth rate moved more or less by 0.5%. The provisional estimate showed that the real GDP grew by 6.7%. During the first revision, the growth was 7.2%. But by the time we reached the third estimate, the growth reached 6.8%. For FI19, the growth rates declined from 6.8 as per the provisional numbers to 6.5 as per the final estimates. So you can see that in some years, the revisions, especially when it comes to the growth rate, which is obviously a more relevant factor as compared to the absolute GDP number, can always be large and in some years, the revisions can always be modest as well. Not only does the annual GDP data, but it's also the quarterly data that gets revised more than once. Division of GDP is a part and parcel of national accounts and no country can attain the accuracy in one go. Unfortunately, we usually only remember the first or second uh, estimate of GDP as they grab headlines. Data revisions usually go unnoticed, which at times can alter the interpretation of data. But it is these revisions to the data that are critical to understanding the utility of this indicator. For more on this topic, let's head back again to Swapnil. Thanks, Dwiti. In the economics literature, scholars have argued that the GDP data contains both noise and news about the economic performance. 
advanced estimates are compiled based on the incomplete data or proxies based on high frequency indicators. Therefore, such data is likely to have more noise compared to the revised estimates, which are compiled when more data gets available. The revised estimates, especially the third revised estimate in India's case, or what we can call the final GDP value, reflect news about the state of the economy. So, what happens between the provisional estimates and the third revised estimates? The data gets updated, of course. Because a lot of data come with a lag, sometimes a year's lag too. Let us understand them with examples from the recent data release. As mentioned earlier, on 31st January 2022, the government released the first revised estimate for FY21, second revised estimate for FY20, and the third revised estimates for FY19. In the press release, there is a section completely devoted to the changes that happened during these revisions. Don't worry, we won't be dealing with numbers now, but would understand exactly which data got revised and why. Dwiti will help us understand it. So let's understand this better now. So the provisional estimates for FY21 have undergone changes in their first revised estimates published in Jan 2022. From the provisional estimates to the first revised estimates, the following updates have resulted in the change in the GDP data. So firstly, the data for primary sector, that is the agriculture and allied activities, got updated as the Agricultural Ministry released the fourth advanced estimate for production of crops and the third advanced estimate for production in horticulture sector. For the rest of the economy, private and public companies published their financial results for FY21. The data of industrial production, or we could say the IIP, also got revised. And at the same time, more data became available from the budget documents, which had earlier had budgeted estimates, and now it has been replaced by the revised estimates. But a note of caution around here is that we should not get confused between the revised estimates of budget and the GDP data. These two are completely different things. Along with the first estimates of FY21 GDP, the press release also carried the second revised estimates of FY20. These estimates considered more updated data on the corporate sector, local bodies, cooperative banks, NBFCs, NGOs, and much more. At the same time, the government finalized its own accounts by replacing the revised estimates of FY20 with the actuals in the budget documents. At the same time, the GDP data for FY19 was also finalized on this date as the government released a third revised estimate. Updated data on agriculture also became available from some states. Data from uh, the annual survey of industries or we could see the ASI also became final. Earlier in all of these cases, the provisional data was used. At the same time, the latest results of All India Debt and Investment surveys also became available. So now you'll notice that a lot of data, or to be specific, the more refined data comes with a lag of one, two, or sometimes even three years. And as the calculation of many items in the GDP is based on surveys or annual reports of corporate or government bodies, so all in all, it's not as easy to compile the data at one go. And that is why it takes three years to finalize the GDP of the country. 
Yet most of the GDP related data is not based on actual hard numbers. And why is that? So let's head back again to Swapnil. Thanks, Dwiti. Yes, the GDP data is to a large extent modeled or proxied data. This is in contrast to the inflation data which is largely based on hard data. What do we mean by this? In the case of inflation, we can see and experience prices moving up and down. We can debate over whether a particular item should be included in the CPI basket or not or whether its weight should be higher or lower. But the price of rice or library charges or airfare or a car are all directly observed. The prices are not derived based on some formula or based on price of some third commodity. But that is not the case with GDP. Many are calculated using some formula based on some historical relationship or some proxy variables. For example, the unorganized sector. Half of India's GDP is dependent on unorganized sector. But we do not have any concrete data on it. Let us understand how we calculate unorganized sector GDP. So what happens is that we try to estimate GVA only for the base year, that is FY12, through various surveys and statistical techniques. But in the subsequent years, no actual data is collected for the unorganized sector. The data is obtained by extrapolating or moving the base year estimates using a relevant economic indicator. That means from FY13 till the next change in the base year, we probably would never understand the exact nature and GVA for the unorganized sector. Also, even the base year estimate is nothing but an approximation from different survey results. Let us take an example of an item known as maintenance and repair of motor vehicles, which falls under the subsector trade, which is a part of services sector. Once the base year GVA for FY12 was estimated, the growth of sale of motor vehicles in India is used as an indicator to extrapolate GVA in the subsequent years. Here the logic at work is that the revenue generated from repair work depends on number of motor vehicles on the road. The underlying assumption is that the growth rate in the unorganized sector would largely be similar to the growth observed in the organized sector. Yes, this might sound strange, but there is no alternative to estimate the growth of unorganized sector. Let us take another example from the construction sector. Construction sector covers all activities connected with site preparation, alteration, addition, repairs and maintenance, construction and maintenance of roads, railways, tunnels, pipelines, industrial plants, etc. The GVA for this activity comprises three components. First, dwellings, other buildings and structures. Second, construction in plantations. And third, mineral exploration. Let us just talk about the first component right now, which is dwellings, other buildings and structures. And to explain the methodology, we again go back to Dwiti. So let's focus on dwellings, other buildings and structures. Uh, this category mainly consists of two peculiar items, mainly the paka and the kacha construction. Initially, the value of output is calculated separately for both of these constructions. 
Then the GV is calculated by adding 35% of the value of Paka construction output and 75% the value of Kacha construction output. This might sound pretty simple, but exactly what is the value of output here? This is where the devil lies. So let's get into the calculation of Paka construction. For calculating the value of output, consumption data for seven different materials are needed. These materials mainly are cement and cement products, iron and steel, bricks and tiles, timber and round wood, fixtures and fittings, bitumen, and glass and glass products. Now you might be wondering why just these seven materials? Well, these seven materials account for approximately 75% of the total construction material cost in India. Now, from these consumption values, the amount of materials used in other industry is reduced and further the data is adjusted for the changes in stock, imports, exports, etc. Now, we have net commodities available specifically for construction activity. Within each of these seven commodities, there are separate guidelines as to how to calculate the value for this purpose. Once those values are calculated, the aggregate value is then multiplied by 35% to get the GVA of Paka construction. Now, in case of Kacha construction, freely available traditional and locally procured materials like leaves, reeds, mud, etc. comprise the main construction material. Their value of output is estimated using surveys, budget documents, and so on. Then the 75% of this output is assumed as the GVA of Kacha construction. This gets more complicated, honestly. So, household construction output in urban and rural areas is divided into different proportions based on the 65th round of NSS survey of 2008 and 9. The rural construction is further divided into Pakka and Kacha in the ratio of 83 is to 17, while the urban construction in the ratio of 98 is to 2. There are so many approximations and assumptions to get the final GVA of the construction sector. But what we've discussed so far is just the tip of the iceberg. Now let's head back to Swapnil for some concluding remarks on this topic. Thanks, Dwiti. As you would have realized, calculating or estimating the GDP for a period is very complex exercise. Not only does the NSO need to get the data from various government bodies and departments, there is a complex modeling exercise that it needs to do. This is in direct contrast to inflation, where the effort largely is around getting the data with little or no assumptions or modeling required to calculate the final data. And this is directly linked to the practical relevance of the GDP data to us as analysts or investors or even policymakers. One must remember that the GDP number or any period is basically an abstract figure or approximation or in case of some components, they are approximations based on approximations. Therefore, it is said that the GDP is not an observable variable. Analysts and media spend hours discussing how the GDP growth in a quarter was say 5.5%, which is lower than their own estimate of 5.8%. But the computation of GDP, especially at a quarterly frequency, is not amenable to such hair-splitting precision. So, we should keep this in mind when analyzing GDP data for any period 
and especially at a quarterly frequency. So if the GDP data in a period was 5% and in the subsequent period it is 5.5%, it is best not to overinterpret the data as suggesting that growth is materially higher. This could well be due to data revision of the previous quarter. The quality and the reliability of GDP data keep on improving as the data gets revised. The GDP data therefore is very useful for understanding the long-term trends or the big picture of the economy. So, our suggestion is to use GDP data with care. Use it for long-term trends. Use it for cross-country comparisons. Use it for scaling other variables, especially in cross-country or cross-region analysis. But do not do hair-splitting analysis or a few decimal point difference in GDP growth rate. I know, this was a long episode but I think you would understand why we made it a bit long. We hope that this episode gave you a different perspective on looking at GDP numbers. Let us know what was new for you or whether you agree or disagree. Till then, spread the word and make the podcast viral. Thank you. And that concludes this episode. I hope you liked it. Your host today were Swapnil and Viti. If you did like this episode, please subscribe and share this with others who you think might be interested. If you have any feedback or suggestions as to what topics we should cover, do drop us a line at podcast at indiadatahub.com. See you next week. This is Ashutosh, the co-founder of India Data Hub, signing out.